another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart. Now go, you heroes of Thra. Thank you, Donna Kimball, for joining me on Trial by Sound, the Dark Crystal podcast. Uh, we, we've really been excited about talking with you for quite a long time. Of course, everyone knows, everyone should know, Donna Kimball is the voice of Agra for the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. Donna and I met when I was with my co-host, Philip, at the Hensons in April of this year. And it was just mm-hmm. sort of by chance, I believe, um, not Hallie, but who was it? It was Nicole. Nicole. Yes. Nicole introduced us. You were working on a show. What was the name of that show? The show's Word Party. Oh, that's right. uh, It's the Henson Digital Performance System that um, where it's uh, real-time animation, which at Henson we call digital puppetry. So I think I showed you guys my rig because my character is Franny. Yeah. And I think you guys, did you, didn't you put your hands in, try it out? Phil did. Yeah. It looked like he was having a fun time. It looked (laughs) awesome. I've never seen anything like that. So it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole walked in with you guys and said, these are the guys that did dark. And I went, oh, and I remember I, I had like an eye infection that day. So I oh. had like no, no makeup on in my glasses. And I was like, oh, hi. Hey, it's me. <laughs> John well, Kimball. You guys what was were so interesting. <laughs> it was so interesting about that meeting is obviously hearing your voice, knowing the tone of your voice, and then you would click right into the character that you were puppeteering and voicing. And it was so much higher pitched and you just did it so easily. It was like, like uh, just to see that kind of thing transpire in front of you is very interesting to see. I mean, I know you're used to it as a puppeteer and a voice artist. Um, is that anything that you ever think about? Um, I don't really. I mean, I think of it as... Um... I think it was Frank Oz that said it's really it's character and the voice comes from the character. So I'm really I'm really just thinking about the character and the voice is just connected to that. And and also what's funny about that day is it was Hup Hup was three rigs down, but I don't think you knew who Victor was or who Hup was not. at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so when they when he and and also Alice Deneen was down there too. She was really? four rigs down. Yeah. And so uh, they heard that you guys came through and they were like, oh, we would have loved to have met them. But, you know, you guys, uh, you know, like I said, you didn't know who Hop was. Yeah. And I don't think anyone could say much. (laughs) For for some reason, we were I think you were you were introduced. I think that all the voice actors were public public at that point. But for whatever reason, we just didn't talk to the rest, unfortunately. Yeah, it just. uh... Yeah, it just it just didn't happen for whatever reason. I think we were in the middle of we're always in the middle of shooting something, something. But yeah. um but yeah. Anyway, it was great to meet you guys. Yeah. You guys were lovely and um it's funny I had heard about this podcast from Louie um I think in my first or second ADR session. He said, uh, Donna, have you uh, heard of this uh this uh <laughs> This podcast, uh, Trial by Stone, is the. Uh, this is my terrible French accent. I apologize <laughs> to all French people listening to this. Then, have you heard this podcast? You should uh, listen to it. They they talk about you. 
I'm like, oh, neat. Okay. So it was, I think it was right after the voice cast had, had been announced. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> so first question for you is how did you get involved with, I know I, I want to make sure I mention puppeteering, but because people know you as the voice act, the voice actor artist behind Augra, I want to know how that, how, what happened first? Were you a puppeteer first or was it both? Oh, um, well, I'm an actor first. I've been an actor pretty much all my adult life. And I had always, even before I became a puppeteer, um, I kind of specialized in multi-character work. There um, was a, a play that Lily Tomlin did, her one-woman show where she played like 14 or 16 characters called The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. I had done the first regional production of that where I played, you know, 14 characters and because of that and it ran for we just kept extending and extending both in Miami and then I did it out here as well um and I won some awards and and all that it was just a it was a great you know acting olympics really and from that uh Tracy Ullman I I worked with her on three seasons of her HBO show Tracy Takes On Oh yeah, yeah. And and I was her acting double, so whenever she played opposite herself, it was me. So I had to, you know, talk about an amazing mimic. You know, she's an amazing mimic, and I had to mimic her. So all of her rhythms, her speech patterns, all the the physicality of her characters, I had to do all of that. Wearing her prosthetics, wearing her wigs, um, that was that was an amazing uh, experience, and I got that. Pretty soon after I moved to Los Angeles from the South Florida area, um, by that time I had done like two puppeteering puppet shows. Um, but really, it was from that and being able to to play m- multiple different characters is such an asset as a puppeteer, um, because and in a way that Tracy Ullman job was kind of puppeteering with the the backside of my entire body. Do you know what I mean? Or I had to. Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you don't you 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 know, I just had to appear as if I was a Tracy Ullman's character. It, so you were like puppeteering yourself almost. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The back of my head. Puppeteering <laughs> with only the back of my head. Um so kind of from that it it really just helped me as a puppeteer just being able to play many, you know, different things. And like I said, I got my first puppet show twenty five years ago. So for me, it was I was an actor first, and then a puppeteer, and then voice acting is. Um, I wouldn't have gotten Dark Crystal if I wasn't a puppeteer. It was really my proximity with the company that um, that got me that job, because um, I was invited to. Um, how I got this job is is was quite a journey, actually, and I I think it's an interesting story. I, I hope you'll find it so. Of but, course. Um, in the spring of 2017, I got an email from Henson asking if I would participate in read-throughs of all 10 scripts to over two days, about a week apart, like a six-hour day, like nine to three, all, you know, catered and, you know, all of that, signing a big NDA, got the scripts in advance, and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. Um, and I saw that I was reading about, you know, half a dozen characters, and uh, and the first one was Agra. I was like, okay, neat. And then I think I read Celadon and The Collector and Stonewood Warrior 2 and, you know, a bunch of different, one of the Madras. And I was like, oh, awesome. I bet it's just going to be a bunch of puppeteers kind of sitting around on the stage in our 
t-shirts and our jeans, sipping our coffee, casually reading this thing. It's like, okay, great. And uh, so I brush up on my Agra. I, I pull up YouTube. The, the great conjunction scene is on YouTube and the um, the scene where she rips the Skeksis a new one. The fools, Skeksis fools. You know that one. <laughs> yes. I listen to those too. I'm brushing it up. My daughter's doing her homework in the next room. And I say, hey, Veronica, how does this sound? I'm reading Agra tomorrow. And so I do a little, she's like, that sounds good. Like, okay, great. I'm just going to suggest the character. I'm just going to, you know, adequately represent it. So, you know, to not take them out of what they're listening to, blah, blah. And so I get to Henson the day of the read-throughs. And I walk into the big Bob conference room, which you've been into. The one with the mural on the wall. Yes, yes, Giant conference table. Yes. The conference table seats about 20, 30 people. It's huge. And I walk in and there's catering on one side and they have vintage toys in the center of the table and maquettes of the new characters and little placards with our names and going all around. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is, this is a big thing. This is a big deal. All right. So I'm like, okay, glad I dressed nice. And, uh, I'm looking at the placards of the actors' names and it's myself and Victor and I didn't recognize any other names. And I thought, oh, okay. This is, a, this is a pretty big deal. Keep cool. Keep cool. <laughs> and um, so I get there and when we start to read and, you know, Ted from Netflix is there. Hallie and Lisa are there. Um, Kevin Clash comes in a couple of times. Heather Henson is there. Uh, you know, Louie, of course, Jeff and Will, Cameron. I mean, pretty much all of it executives were there <laughs> you're trying to keep it together and and the other actors are shakespearean actors members of the independent shakespeare company of which hallie's board member and voice actors and friends of of javier and uh louis and you know all the different people so i thought okay this this is a big deal all right so we start reading and um uh and we get to the the scene in episode three where Agra is reading um is doing the scene with herself, speaking to her reflection in the crystal, remember? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, of course. And um, and I start to read it, and it's a very dramatic scene. I mean, this is the first time that Agra cries. And, uh, and I'm reading, and the room is, like, totally silent. And I'm thinking, okay, this is either going really well... <laughs> yes. ...or it's going so badly that they're going, oh, my God... Get this woman out of here. And then after after we read episode three, then people started to come up to me. I think I remember Ted coming up to me and saying, it's like Billy Whitelaw's in the room with us. I'm like, wow, okay. I'm hearing my voice bounce around the room going, hey, this sounds pretty good. I'm sounding. So it ended up, um, it ended up being my audition. And I think it was an unintended audition. For, for everyone. I mean, and I asked Lisa later, why did you, why did you, why did you ask me? And she said, we know, we just knew that you did voices. And so you know, we knew that you're, you know, I think I've worked with the company about 12 years now. So I think I've proven myself as someone who's reliable and someone who can deliver and someone who's hopefully good to work with. So, um, and I did voices. So that's why they, and so, yeah, so that was kind of my, my unintended audition. And, and, uh, so yeah, they, I knew that I was on their radar then about the voice. Now they, by this time, the puppeteers had been cast. Victor knew he was going, uh, and that actually uh, that uh, read throughs were kind of his callback, I think, um, 
where he had to just sort of finalize because at that time they were not sure about the the language and the voice and all of that stuff. And so that that solidified their choice um, of Victor as Hup. I believe that's true. Um, but at this time, Kevin, Clash, Alistanine, and Victor Yared were were the only puppeteers going over. So I knew that. But um, uh, uh, so that was that, and that was the the two read through days. But the scripts were amazing. And I remember reading some of the things in the scripts going, wow, how the how are they going to shoot this? That carriage rescue scene? How the heck are they going to shoot this? This is going to be amazing. And, and by the end, you know, all of the actors are saying, wow, I'm going to watch this. This sounds great. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Game of Thrones with puppets and no sex. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was the read through day. And like I said, that was spring of 2017. So what, when did... Like, did they tell you the day of you have this part? How, when did you know we are casting you as Agra? Uh, about, <laughs> believe it or not, almost 18 months later. What? Wow. I know. It was crazy. Um, well, so that was spring. So they, we shoot Happy Time Murders in the late summer and then fall, Kevin, Alice, and Victor go over and start production. Uh, around Christmas time, I get a WhatsApp message from Kevin going, Hey lady. Um, Hey, uh, so I want you to, we're doing our first auger scene tomorrow and it's just that scene in the hallway, you know, the pusillanimous parasite scene. I wonder if you could just lay those scene, lay those two lines down on an MP3 for me. Uh, just so I just, I just want to get the rhythms and all that stuff. And I'm like, sure. So I record that little scene. He goes, I'll send you this. I'll have him send you the script. Like, okay. So I send those two lines over and it goes real well. And a couple of weeks later, hey, lady. Um, so tomorrow we're uh, doing the scene with Agra and speaking to, in episode three where she's speaking to the reflection of herself. Can you, do you mind recording that scene on MP3 and send it to me so I can work with it? I'm like, sure, no problem. So I go in my closet, my little uh, home studio in my closet and record on this microphone and, and send that in. And then... Um, uh, then shortly thereafter, <laughs> I get a call. Hey lady. Um, so we're doing this, uh, we have a conference call later today. So they're going to be calling you at rap. I'm like, yes, they're going to offer me the role. Sweet. This is going to be the day. <laughs> and so we have a conference call and they asked me to, um, they didn't offer me the role, but they said, you know, we're tomorrow we're shooting this big um, Agra dancing around the crystal thing and the choreographer's coming in first thing. And so we need like a chant with this, you know, the script that says Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. I'm like, yeah. It's like, we, we need you to record like, oh, different variations. One of them based on Pan Sori, the South Korean, um, you know, percussive storytelling thing and then another you know just kind of sing it and then another like a girls just want to have fun kind of thing they're like oh okay so i know what i'm doing today so i go in my closet and uh one of the versions i did was the actually the basis of what the chant um became in in the final film so i uh in uh in my closet was the beginning of the daratea daatea which uh, opens your show now so uh so after that is when I, I, um, they put me on payroll and I did all, uh, I did scratch vocals for all of Augur's stuff, 
about a week before they shot Augra scenes so that for Kevin, so that he could get the rhythms of Augra in his, in his head, in his voice and in his body before performing Augra scenes, because as puppet captain, you are just, you are covered up and especially a show that big, um, it's like a three ring circus. So, uh, it was, you know, to help Kevin and to help Louie and to help the production. So, um, so yeah, I did scratch vocals for Augra knowing that I didn't have the final, uh, the role yet. I didn't have the role, but I knew that I was getting a little bit closer <laughs> to, to getting it. And so, yeah, through Christmas of 2017 to, um, wow, I guess all the way through early summer of 2018, I did, I did scratch vocals for August. So I got the scripts and I got updates and, um, we had a schedule about a week before I would send in, make MP3s of all of the scenes and send them in. Now, uh, things would change on the day because, you know, from shooting, uh, lines change on the day. A performer might choose to make a different choice. The EPs say, yes, let's do that. So, um, but yeah, so I did uh, scratch focus and I think, yeah, I think that was the only, that was the only instance of, of any kind of guide vocal being recorded for the show. Just from what I know, talking to other people, your role or your entrance into that role was very different than other people. Whereas most people came into the studio, we're shooting, we're doing, we're recording your vocals for this character, but you were there sort of during the uh, R and D for Agra to some degree, and then through production. And then of course, finally to recording her vocals. So it seemed like you're very much uh, a part of the creation or the recreation of her, at least based off of what I can tell, which I think is a different story than a lot of the other artists, which makes sense to me because Agra is so, she's so important to the story and she's so important, not just to the story, but to fans, to the mythology of the dark crystal. So I, that's fascinating to hear. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was a thrill to do and it was great to, to be closer to the production and, and, you know, and working with Kevin who is absolutely brilliant. And, um, so I, I was thrilled to do that. And then finally in May, um, in May I went and visited, uh, the set, went over to England, stayed with oh, my, nice. my, my buddy Alice and, uh, and uh, and visited set, and I, I, I was only doing scratch vocals at that time. I had not gotten the role yet, and uh, and uh, man, you you know you drive in, and it's like this office park. It's like just an office park, and there's like little buildings, and this it doesn't look like a studio lot. And then you go around the corner, and then there's like some woodworking going on. You're like, okay, and you walk in, and it's this massive, like bigger than a soundstage. This this room, and there were two of them right next to each other. And this, this set on the main stage was the forest, which, you know, they, uh, it, it was just, it was remarkable. I couldn't believe how beautiful and how massive it was. You know, these trees that are sculpted out of something and sprayed with like this green sawdust to look like moss. It was so tactile and beautiful and fog machines always going. And I was so jet lagged, but I sat and watched the, um, when Rianne is hanging upside down and, you know, the Chamberlain comes in and, you know, uh, and the hunter is there and, oh my gosh. And it was like, what am I seeing? And this, this, they had a gyroscopic jib 
that this camera is on. And I heard there were only like two of them in the UK. So like that scene where Rianne's hanging upside down that opens that episode and it, you know, it revolves and pulls back. I mean, that camera did amazing things. And I thought, oh, this is a massive thing. And watching Louie just in there, um, you know, shooting as well. And, and I thought, oh, okay, the camera is always moving. So suddenly they don't look like puppets anymore. And, you know, you kind of just get that right away, just looking at the monitors and just like, okay, I'm seeing something. I've been a puppeteer 25 years. I'm seeing something I've never seen before. And this is so exciting. That was my first thought. My second thought was, oh my God, Warwick is an amazing Chamberlain. He sounds just like him. <laughs> it's like, he's going to be the voice, right? It's like, oh, I don't know. They're probably going to get a celebrity. It's like, oh, too bad. Cause he's amazing. And then, um, I came back two more days and I saw the, um, oh, the scene in the tavern, the podling tavern where Rianne comes in and he's confronted by, by Tavra and, um, oh, Kylan and Naya and, and then Orden comes in that scene. Um, and I'm watching Neil come in with Rianne and I'm like, who is, who's that guy? Who is that guy puppeteering Rianne? He's freaking amazing. I mean, he's using his own feet. I, I, I know he talked in his, uh, his podcast episode about, um, about just, you know, changing, you know, shifting his weight back and forth, tiny things like that were so brilliant and so effective. And I mentioned it to Kevin. I was like, this guy's amazing. And Kevin said, yeah, he uses his own feet. Cause some, sometimes we puppeteers, we like pump our arm up and down to make a puppet walk, you know? And, and he didn't do that at all. He used his own feet. And since then, since seeing him do that, I've been doing that in my own uh, puppeteering and it works really well. It's so simple. You don't even have to pump your arm up and down. You just use your own feet. Little things like that. He, I just thought Neil was so, so brilliant. And I knew about half dozen of the puppeteers from uh, working on other projects uh, with them. I knew Becky, I knew Dave and um, Ollie, uh, Damien, you know, I knew a, a bunch of those guys already. So uh, it was great to see them again. And I got to meet Louise Gold, who is so hilarious and funny and wonderful. Um, so it was, and I just wanted to jump in so badly, you know, when the whole podling dance scene is going on, I just wanted to grab a puppet and jump in, but I couldn't. Yeah, it's yeah, against the rules. <laughs> magic. That scene is just magic. They really, I mean, oh my God. Like I remember watching that scene for the first time and uh seeing Rian in the in the forest and he's walking up to it it's just pure mm. magic it is everything the dark crystal is uh, yeah I, just, I love it and the fact that he's in what looks to be the same space that Jen was in which is going to be of course mm. later on I mean they recreated it so well so I can't imagine that being on set seeing that was probably just yeah, uh, you know, amazing. I was su I was such a puppet nerd. I uh, well, I have to say, you know, when the when the lady podling sends over a drink to Rianne on set, they called it the McFlurry. <laughs> 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 they had such fun, and they, you know, they were such a tight group, and they're just absolute lovely people, and they were clearly a family. And you know, I was I was so enamored and so jealous all at the same time. And I think I I may have scared some other. <laughs> puppeteers because I would I would watch monitors for a while and then I would sort of crawl 
back to where the puppeteers were and just I just wanted to watch them live. You know, some sitting under the stage looking up at them <laughs> adoringly. I think they thought, who's who's this chick? This American weirdo here. <laughs> like, no, I'm doing the voice of a hog. Yeah, never mind. Just let me just let me watch a puppeteer. Yeah. So uh it was it was just wonderful to be there. I'm I'm so glad I was able to go. That's awesome. Oh, but but Louie did pull me aside and say, So have they uh, uh he didn't pull me aside. I I was we were watching the gobbles scene and uh just sort of chit chatting and he said, Have they talked to you yet about the voice? And I said, No, I haven't heard anything yet. He said, um, okay. Uh, I'll, t- I'll talk to them. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, this sounds good. Yeah, and then yeah. it wasn't until August of 2018 that I that I got the offer. Wow! And I was so thrilled. Wow, that's great. So let's talk about Augur for a minute. Uh, mm. Before we get into, you know, and at this point, a lot of us, not just the fans, but the people, you know, who are whether it's social media or whatever, they've seen some. Uh, footage of people in studio recording the voice so we sort of are a little bit familiar with what that process is it's very time consuming it's very specific it's very labor intensive for sure but before we get into that i'm curious like where is agra in you right now like what do you how, where is she like do you how close do you feel to her like how what do you think about her oh wow she she's just such a great character isn't she i mean i i think that they a lot of love went into the creation of her i mean i remember seeing an interview with frank oz where he said she's just such a great character she's such a great character and she she's an amazing character she's such a freaking badass and you know it's the kind of role that i don't know that i could have played 25 years ago Um, you know, my daughter is 21 next month and I think being a mom definitely helps because, you know, you're, you, my daughter is the one person on this planet that I would run into a burning building to save. Mm -hmm. And, and I've told her that her whole life. And I think, and Agra ends up doing, spoiler alert, Agra ends up doing that in the series. She's the, she is the person who will lay down her life for the people she loves. And, um, and she just takes no flack from people. She she suffers no fools. She um she's just a freaking badass who will who will tell you what she thinks in a in a heartbeat. And wow, it, now finding her for myself was was a bit tricky. You know, I've 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 been an actor my whole life, as you as I mentioned. But um, finding the characters is is every actor has a different process. And when you're doing a voice match, um, it's a whole other layer of complication. So, you know, I'd, I'd seen the original film so many times. Um, and so I knew what the voice was, but then I'm reading these scripts where the emotional landscape that this beloved character traverses is wildly different and so much deeper and richer than the original film. Um, you know, she kind of speaks in rants in the original film, even when she's helping Jen, you know, she's still ranting at him. So I thought, how, how do I make this character cry? How do I make this character feel guilty and, and, and culpable? And how do I, how do I take, you know, fools, Skeksis fools, what do you want with me? How do I take that and and it was quite a it was 
a real puzzle for me and something I, I kind of struggled with. And of course, feeling the pressure of this, you know, playing this iconic character. And finally, I made I made an MP3 of all of Billy Whitelaw's dialogue from the original film, just her dialogue. It's four and a half minutes long. It lives on my phone. And I listen to it over and over, driving to every ADR session. I just listened to it when I just needed to hear that voice. And one line, there was one line. It was after, you know, don't know, don't know. <laughs> and it's after that. She says, listen, Gelfling, there is much to be learned and you have no time. And I thought, ah, that's my Agra. That is my Agra. Yeah. I, yeah. I can build this character from that, just that line. That's who she is. When she's eyeballs to eyeballs with him and she's speaking truth, I said, I, I, okay, that's, that's something I can work with. And throw in all the fun stuff, the, the pusillanimous parasites and the, and the, you know, all of those things. I, I can get all those things, but I just needed to find the, the root and the heart of her. And that line was, was my touchstone. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I've said this to you before, but I'll say it again. You are, your performance is absolutely amazing. And one of the first things that, you know, when we were discussing, you know, before the show, I mean, we knew the show was announced. We didn't really know how much Augur was going to be in it or if Augur was going to be in it. And then, of course, they announced the voice cast and we see your picture. And I remember talking <laughs> with some friends like, who is this? And <laughs> she, know, like, everyone said. <laughs> like, who? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so because Augur, she's in the film or, you know, you, four and a half minutes of dialogue, she's. She, you feel her presence in the film more than you hear her in the film, mm -hmm. um, in the original film. But she's this, she is the heart and she's this guide. She's this sage, but she's not like say Obi-Wan Kenobi or she's a little bit more like Yoda where she's a little funny, but she also, mm -hmm. she'll get right to the heart of the matter real quick. Um, mm -hmm. And she, like you said, she doesn't suffer fools, but so we're, we approach Agra in a very sacred way, like Billy Whitlaw, like who she was, what she did. And I remember as a child, and I've said this before, watching The Dark Crystal, looking at that character thinking, where did they get this lady from? Like, I've never mm. seen a lady who looks like this before. Where did she come from? Thinking Agra was completely real. No mm. idea that she wasn't real. And... Mm. I still carry that sentiment about her, like this, this, this creature, this woman, not, I don't say woman in the human sense, but woman in the sense of who she is, um, like a mother earth, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I carry all that with me. I mean, I've carried all of the characters of the dark crystal with me on my own human journey since I was nine years old. So mm -hmm. when you find out someone else is going to inhabit that role, as a lot of people do who are fans, sometimes there's this idea of ownership, but in the best possible way, like what's going on. And then when we heard your voice, we were like, phew, you know? Oh, good. <laughs> and um, when you went phew, I went phew. Yeah. Because if you, not to say that, and I'm sure as a creator yourself, as an artist, and I'm sure everyone else feels the same way who are not just involved in the show, but are fans you, if something isn't right, people are like, oh, we got to get this right because it could take you out of the show. And there's a lot of trepidation and caution and um, you're, you're a sacred way that you approach performing it. But also there's the balance of 
how do we also make this our own? Because you're not impersonating Billy Whitlaw, you're impersonating Agra. And you don't want to be make it an impersonation, you want to make it a character. So there's that mm-hmm. balance as well. And you struck that chord beautifully. Like it is like when I see Agra, I still see the same character that I saw when I was eight and nine. And uh I I I was so sort of this I'm apologize for this diatribe, but really that's all of that to say that from the fan community and the people who hold this show and the original film so dear. Perfect. You're perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. I, I will tell you, I worked, I busted my ass for this because as, as important as it is, as I knew it was for all the fans, it was important to me personally as a fan. And also I, I really wanted to get it right for all the future all the eight and nine year olds who watch this show who are going to go on and do who knows what amazing who are going to yes. be inspired yes. by the show decades in the future and and you know for me myself it was, it was super important to me i i i don't remember the time i saw the original film but i i know i had it on vhs i had it on dvd i would see it in the movie theaters when it would come around and you know some weird instances and i showed it to my daughter when she was little in fact she used to pretend that she was agra she, when she was about, I don't know, four or five, six, she would have a tray of Legos and come shuffling over to me going, questions, questions, too many questions. You want a shard here and dump the Legos on the floor. True story. <laughs> so this was very important to, to me and my family, really just to get it right. And, and, you know, it's funny when you've, when you're stepping into big, big shoes of, of Wh- Billy Whitelaw, because she, you know, she's a, She's a very famous English actress, less known here in the States, but, um, you know, she was Samuel Beckett's muse and she was, she's a, you know, quite a, a, a titan of an actress. Um, it was just, it was, it was just really important to get it right. And I knew there was a period like just before my first ADR session where I'm watching the rough cuts, I'm going over my scripts, I'm marking everything up, I'm rehearsing as much as I can. And I have, you know, I have some panic attacks like you do as an actor. And I finally just said, you know, if I don't get out of my own way and put my own fangirl ego aside and really just play the heck out of this role and really enjoy it, I'm going to regret it the rest of my life, which is, which is a version of, of hell for an actor is, is (laughs) regret. And I, I just really, it was really important to me to get it right. So to hear you say that I got it right makes me, uh, makes me very happy. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, so getting into your recording of her character, how, what was, what is that process like? We haven't really had a full, I mean, actually, I mean, I've heard a lot, but I like, for instance, so you're, you're in the. You're in session. You're with Louis. Either he's probably there via satellite or whatever. I don't really know if he was there personally with you. Was there? Was it very strict? Like, okay, you have to do this this way, or was there any room for you to create a little bit more than what you're? And just in terms of maybe the grunts or the or or what she's saying, because I know there's a lot of character ambiance that you also have to record. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we had the rough cuts in advance, so um, we had that, and we get our cue sheets in advance. So every line that you are going to be saying in that session is pretty much given to you. They try to do 40 cues per session, and it's four-hour sessions. Um, 
Yeah, it's 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 pretty intense. In some ways, it's really exacting. But then if the camera goes off of your character, then you're free to do some stuff. And they were wonderfully open to uh, to input. Sometimes Louis knew exactly what he wanted. Um, and sometimes, um, well, you know, you're always given the space to play. You, you know, you, you may do it your way and, and do it their way and you don't know which version that they're going to choose, but you know, Louis and Jeff Addis were very, very open to, um, certainly to my creative input. And one of my ad libs actually made it in. I think you can barely hear it when, when Augur has her eyeball and she puts it in the the bathtub with the the naked Skeksy, and I think you you very it's it's a little low, <laughs> yes. but you hear Augur say, "I see little has changed." Yes, yes, that was mine actually. I I, I came up balls, with balls, Skeksy's balls, <laughs> <laughs> because the camera was off of her, and we could throw that in. And I was delighted to hear that they they kept that one in. So yeah, they were they were pretty open, and you know even sometimes. Um, I remember a couple of times pulling out my trusty MP3 of Billy Whitelaw as Agra, and I would say, "Well, see, in in this version is is more of a watch it for mm-hmm. that that, and, the, and others would be more of a fools, sketches fool, where her voice is like a fist." And I was like, "Okay, this is this is where the Agra fist version goes on," and and they would say, "Okay, yes, but give me one of those Whoo! at the end of that." Okay, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's very. It was very collaborative, and so they were wonderfully open to to my input. I can't speak for other people, but I I assume it was all the same. Yeah, they're great, Louis, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, they are wonderful, wonderful people. Truly, like uh, again, uh, having met and spent time with certainly Jeff and Will, but mostly Louis over the course of the summer. He's just Mm. an incredible man, and uh, people should tell him that as much as possible. Yes, I agree. And I had, it's funny, I had Louis a lot at the beginning. And then I had almost all Jeff at like almost the whole back half. And Louis would patch in occasionally because at the time they're doing simultaneous ADR sessions in the UK and in Los Angeles. So um, he would finish four hours with Anya and then just patch in to hear a little bit of my stuff at the end and then go to bed and sleep for two hours and get up and do it all over. I don't know how that man did it. I don't either. But, uh, but it was amazing. Yeah. But Jeff is a former actor as well. So he was just, just great. But it's so, ADR is tough, man. I mean, I've only done ADR from, for pretty much characters that I've performed. Um, but it, it's, I thought it would help me a bit being a puppeteer and it kind of, did but it's it is hard it is really hard in such a different way than puppeteering and uh one is more physically demanding and the other is just more demands more brain cells because particularly with a voice match you have to match all the lip flaps of the character all the you know did they finish this sentence with their mouth open or their mouth closed because you can hear that um all the breaths all the you know exertions you know, all the timing of all of those things and, and matching the voice and then performing it. So it's like layer upon layer upon layer. And, um, some things we would nail in two, three takes, some things, 15 takes of just one line. And, and wow, um, it's, uh, puppeteering is really hard, but ADR is not for sissies either, man. Let me tell you. And I would just, it's like being a, a, tensed coiled spring for four hours 
And so I would literally just go home and stare at the wall <laughs> for two hours to sort of, <laughs> you know, and, um, so yeah, it's, it was, a, I mean, it was a blast, but it's, it's hard work. Yeah. It really is. Uh, and I know you talked about the crying and Agra sort of going through a way more emotions than she's ever gone through just in terms of what we saw from her in the first film was there any specific day when you were recording where you felt like wow i'm having trouble finding this this moment with her emotionally or in your voice or was it just all because of the process was it all equally challenging um, there were certainly days that were more challenging. The um, in episode nine, when spoiler, uh, Augur is being drained. That was by far the hardest one um, because it was very emotional. Um, I had to put a chair behind me because also I was getting lightheaded, and I wasn't the only one. I knew that when you're doing big screaming things, Jeff had said, "Oh yeah, have if you need a chair behind you, others have had." To, uh, to do that. And I certainly did because I thought I was going to keel over and pass out a couple of times because it's, it was, um, yeah, I cried about it for a couple of days after the draining scene. It was, and then I, I had to go to the creature shop and drop off a puppet and I was telling them about it and I started crying again and <laughs> someone had to come hug me. It was so traumatic wow. because, um, and it was Jeff that day and and he was wonderful. He says, okay, so now it's your, your essence is being pulled out of the front of you. Okay. So now you're like it, you're like it, you know, at level five or six now. Okay. Now you just got stabbed in the back. So now everything is being pulled out of the back of you now and the sound and what the stabbing sounds like and the sound you have to make when you're getting stabbed. And, but you know that you're doing this for the people that you love and this is the only way and it's all your fault. And I mean, all of this. And then finally the big scream when you, you explode. I mean, you know, you have to put a ton of emotion behind all of that. And it was like, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. But, um, I mean, cause you know, it was horrible. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And then the, also the scene in, when she speaks to the sanctuary tree, just, you know, beautiful, beautiful puppetry by Kevin and just, just, yeah, I, I cried, I cried a lot in ADR. I cried the scene, you know, speak, Augur speaking to herself in the crystal and cause Kevin was crying when, you know, hearing his voice, um, man, it was, uh, it's so wonderful to be able to do dramatic work as, um, as a puppeteer even though I didn't puppeteer on this, but we just so rarely get to do good meaty drama. And it just, it was a, it was a pleasure to do, but it, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was hard. And then you're, you know, you're screaming and in pain, but you still have to match the timing. So there's that left half of your brain that's watching when the cutoffs are and when the inhales are. And, you know, so, uh, it, uh, it was, it was rough, man, those days, but, and then, you know, but it was, it's all wonderful. But when I say rough, it was just traumatic. Oh yeah. How was your voice after, after a session, like hearing your voice, you know, you have, you know, obviously mm. a, a woman's voice, but Agra is very much a different kind of woman. Her voice mm -hmm. is deeper. It's raspy. It's, it, she really goes. And so you're having to do all that and conjure that. How, 
did did it ever take a toll in terms of were there days where you're like, hey, I don't have my voice today or you had to... No, because I shrewdly, I have to say, patting myself on the back, I I asked for and had put in my contract a day of vocal rest between sessions. And I, you know, I told them this is more for you guys than it is for me, because I would hate to, to say, let's do Monday through Friday and then by Wednesday have nothing for you. So and the, the day of vocal rest was a true day of vocal rest where I literally would not speak. And then I was oh, able wow. to come back on Wednesday after Monday and be fine. So I never struggled technically with my voice. And I also, I, I have a friend, Crystal Robbins, who is a Lessac master, and she gave me some really great tips on how to preserve my voice because I, I got a little concerned because doing the MP3s and doing the scratch vocals, I knew how taxing the voice was. And it's the rasp. That's what kills you because it's just air rushing over your vocal cords. And you can get, you know, you could get nodes and all of these things. And I, I wanted to have a career beyond Dark Crystal. So inhaling steam, drinking throat coat, and a lot of rest and a lot of hydration is uh, is what, what worked for me. So, um, so yeah, technically, luckily, I was able to, to, uh, to, to deliver and not but yeah, by the end of the session, you're pretty, you're pretty raw and you save the, and the same is true with the video games. I've done voiceovers for a couple of video games. They save the most, um, the roughest stuff for the end of the session. The stuff that is the most exertion is usually you do at the end. So any screaming stuff it, you do at the last half hour of your session, typically. Did for the voiceover for tactics, uh, age of resistance tactics, did you, when was that done? Was that just a part of your contract that, oh, I have to do this as well? Or was that maybe while you were in? Oh, you weren't, you weren't, you didn't know at that point when you were on set. What, at what point did you have to record for that? Uh, I actually haven't recorded for that. I did the, the promo. Yeah, that's voiceover. what I meant. The promo. I'm sorry. Yeah. We had two days of uh, social media shoots. That one, that's when we did, that was in May of this year. Um, that's when I got to puppeteer. I got to assist Kevin and actually puppeteer Agra. Oh, that's awesome. Time. So I was her right hand, just, just, a, and a couple of things. It was mostly Victor cause I was doing the voice live for Kevin. So that was when we got to puppeteer Agra together in the same room. So that was very special. Well, that's the question I had, like when you're in her space and you know, you are occupying, you know, there she is and there you are. And so you're, and I, maybe these questions for you might seem like, like for me, I see, like when I've seen the the making of the Age of Resistance or the original Dark Crystal, I see these puppets and yeah, I can tell that maybe Frank Oz is puppeteering or Kevin Clash is puppeteering, but I I don't differentiate. Okay, there's Agra and there's Frank Oz. There's Agra and there's Kevin Clash. So do you have that same sense of here's this here I am in the presence of this woman, or is it just oh this is a really great puppet? Oh God, no! <laughs> the former, for sure. It's like, my God, there she is. She's moving and <laughs> she's moving and talking, and I'm I'm doing her voice. Neat. Um, yeah, oh yeah. I was I was totally geeking out, and I you know I was really marveling at the size of her. She's nearly five feet tall. She's massive, and uh, you know, she Kevin wears a brace with two steel dowels that come up the back that support a lot of the weight. But you know, as a puppeteer you have so much weight with a, a character like that, a puppet like that. You have so much weight on the tops of your four fingers. If you can hold your hand and like, as if you're puppeteering and then push down on the top of 
your hand. You're you're just, just displacing all of this weight and using all these tiny forearm muscles that hook onto one tendon. It's 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 a lot. And so he would he would rest Agra's head on her cane. Um you know, in between takes and stuff. But it was it was so great because I would be sitting to the side with my social media scripts. Ah, so you want to learn about the Gelfling? That's when we did all of those things. But um, it was great. And I got to be a fizz gig too, which was <laughs> super fun. <laughs> but that was also like the first time Jeff Addis saw me puppeteering. You know, oh, it's, oh, it's yeah. like, because, uh, and I've had to, you know, I've had other puppeteers come up to me and say, so what was it like to puppeteer Agra. I was like, well, I don't know. You'll have to ask Kevin because I didn't do it. I know it's it's a little uh, confusing, but uh, but but wonderful. So moving forward, I know you were at the premiere in New York. Can you tell me a little bit about how that experience was? Oh, that was that was awesome. It's it was quite surreal to be on the purple carpet uh, in this case, and you know having all these. The paparazzi taking photos of you, that was, it's its kind of just what you would imagine it would be, and then also kind of strange and wonderful um, and bizarre. But, you know, meeting some other members of the voice cast was was wonderful. And then finally seeing the first episode in its entirety was super special, and my family was there too. And I got to meet Kathy Mullen, who was Kira, and I actually, I literally dragged her across the room and introduced her to Louie. <laughs> It's like, there's Louie. Have you met him? No, come with me. And, uh, and over we went. So, and to see some New York puppeteers, it was, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to have Keegan Michael Key tell me that he loved my work. And, um, you know, it was, it was surreal and, and wonderful. And, and you really felt like you were seeing something special. And so it was, it was fantastic. I loved it. And you guys were in the presence of, of course, a lot of the puppets, um, from the show, which is brilliant. It was a brilliant um, display that they created mm-hmm. there. So I'm sure that was a great, I guess it was a great uh, setup to enter into the premiere. But yeah, I mean, the photos were great. It looked like a really great time. Yeah, yeah, it was super fun. What's interesting about Agra that I was thinking about as you were talking is really Agra, she's such a special character, not just because of her isms and her, you know, her quirks and her eccentricities, but she also inhabits this Christ character in age of resistance where she sacrifices her life and then she rises again. Um, Mm. And that's something that I I hadn't really thought about. I don't, I tend to, when I experience something that affects me deeply, I process it. What's what, what is touching me about the show? What's, what's informing me? Why is it staying with me? Why am I thinking about these characters and Og really? And there's this one, line that she had where she talks about the Gelfling being her most beloved. Um, and mm. I thought that was a really beautiful moment that a, a lot of people don't talk about, but it it speaks a lot about who she is. She's the higher power in some ways. Um, mm. She's she's flawed. She's not like sort of this perfect deity that lives in the sky, but she's a, a different version of that deity who lives with the people that she mm. she shepherds she is their shepherd she is a little bit of their higher power she's their their uh obi-wan kenobi she's also their yoda she's also um gandalf she embodies many of those things but she's none of those things and all of those <laughs> things and a little bit of god and a little bit of jesus and i just thought it was a really beautiful 
her arc in terms of her realizing that I need to do this. I need to sacrifice myself for these creatures because this is the right thing to do. It's, it's very underscored and understated. Um, and she, you know, she saves Brea and Celadon and all of the other mm. Gelfling in the moment of their death, in the moment of their imminent, imminent death. And you think it's going to happen and it doesn't. And she sacrifices her own life. And it was just, it's just a really beautiful, she has a really beautiful relationship with the Gelfling. And even the, the, those moments with the, uh, the baby Arathim and she's mm. talking to him and just her, her gentleness with them. She can mm-hmm. be, she can be, irascible she can be all over the place and ridiculous but she can be really small and really motherly and really sweet and just the beauty of her character so i just wanted to i i i have to agree and i gotta say that's that's the writing that's that's these guys that's that's javier and and will and jeff i think that and and louis too all of the guys, I think that they they steered this character and and just really furthered her so beautifully. Um, yeah, I love that scene where you know Brea comes up says, "Don't do this. We're not worth it," and she says, "Yes, you are." I just thought, oh, it's so so great, and I love the the humor of her and and her you know, patching up the little the little baby Aratham and. Um, you know, oh, yeah, sure, fight, fight. You, you, it'll leave a scar, but you know, eh. I, I just and the Pluffum who you know dies in her hands and then yes. comes back. And yes. so, I mean, really, I think they just outdid themselves um, with with her character. I just, it was such a such a pleasure to play, such an honor to play. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. Have you calculated how much time Augur has? You know that Billy Whitlaw has, or Agra had four and a half minutes of dialogue. How many <laughs> minutes did your Agra have? In oh, I have no idea. That's for, <laughs> that's for someone else to add up. I don't, I don't need to add that up. Okay. No, okay. I just, uh, I hope that, uh, I hope that it'll be double when uh, season two uh, happens. Yeah. You know, fingers, yeah. fingers crossed, not good. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know, but I was, I was just so thrilled to, I mean, just she she was already an amazing character, and I think that this in this series she was even more amazing. And I mm-hmm. I still pinch myself that uh, that I was lucky enough to lucky enough to do it. Does she does uh, her character? Do you think about her uh, during the week at all? Like maybe not like am I going to play her again? But do you think about Augur living? And I know I sort of asked you this earlier, but where like what's Augur up to right now? Do you ever think about things like that? <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I just, I look back and go, wow, that was great. And yeah, yeah. that was neat. And gosh, I hope, I hope season two happens and I wonder what they have in store for her. But I, yeah, I, I, kind of as an actor, I feel, I, I, I try to look ahead a lot. Yes. Um, and I think that's kind of the way to survive in, in this business, weirdly enough. But yeah, every now and then I would think to myself, oh my God. Hey, I'm Agra. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people say, do you like pinch yourself? I'm like, oh God, yes, daily. I, holy crap. I'm yeah. Agra. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yes, you are Agra. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I'm sure we could probably talk for a long time. I mean, it, it's just her, uh, your embodiment of her is amazing as was Kev- Kevin's performance of her. But really, uh, I, I, I see when I look at pictures of Billy Whitlaw, I think of, 
of like, oh, hey, I'm looking at Augur. So now when I see images of you, I'm like, hey, that's Augur over there, which is that photo that uh, I believe Victor posted of you guys working on a, a project. I'm like, hey, Augur, keep up in line. Yes. Um, he's yes, he's yes. actually my next interview next week. So, oh, great. Uh, great. But yeah, it, again, uh, just congratulations. It's you, you were just amazing. And thank you so much for what you brought to the character. And hopefully we'll see you, you and Augur again soon. Uh, thanks so much, Jamie. Thanks, everybody. Absolutely. Keep watching. Let's keep watching and bring on a season two, shall we? Yes, yes. Your hand trembles. You can barely stand. Yet I stand. Trial by Stone, the Dark Crystal podcast, is a production of Three Point Edit. If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, visit our website at www.darkcrystalpodcast.com. Thank you so much and stay tuned for the next episode of Trial by Stone.